everybody, Chris Havery with you on a week six edition of Chargers Weekly. A bit later, the voice of the team, Matt Money-Smith, previews Sunday's game against the Browns. I'll also check in with ABC7's Ashley Brewer, who's at the center of the LA Sports Universe right now with the Dodgers in the playoffs, Lakers preseason, and of course the Chargers heading to Cleveland and London. NFL Network's Marcus Grant closes the show with some Week 6 fantasy advice, but we start with some sad news from the team. Family patriarch and Chargers owner Alex Spanos passed away on Tuesday at the age of 95. Our deepest condolences are with the entire Spanos family. And before we start this week's episode with Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, here's head coach Anthony Lynn on the lasting legacy of Alex Spanos. First thing I want to start out with is I just want to pay respect to the Spanos family. Uh, We lost the owner yesterday. And uh, even though I never got a chance to meet him, I heard a lot about him. Now I work with his son, I work with his grandkids, and uh, I got to know him through them. And uh, that was a big loss for our organization. I mean, he's done a lot uh, uh, as far as in, in the communities that, you know, in San Diego and Los Angeles uh, alone, he just, he just gave a lot. And I just really respect uh, him and his family for all they've done. I mean, so many people, we've got, we gotten so many letters. He, he affected so many people's lives. That is unbelievable. So I just want to pay respect to the family that way. All right, to get this week's opposing view, Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com joins me. And Mary Kay, the Browns coming off win number two of 2018. They beat the Ravens 12-9 in overtime. And so far, you got three overtime games, a win-loss, and a tie, an overall record of 2-2-1. and And you could probably argue this team should be much better than that at this point. You know what? It really should be much better than that. Uh, they had... Uh, the one game in Oakland where the officials reversed a Carlos Hyde third-down conversion. If they hadn't done that, the Browns would have run out the clock and they would have been celebrating their victory in that game. Instead of going to overtime, they lost 45-2 to in overtime. Two other games that they had kicker issues, a blocked field goal uh, in overtime, left them in a tie with the Steelers, and, uh, and then their kicker, in New Orleans, missed four different kicks, two extra points, two field goals, and that proved to be the difference in that game. Uh, they lost to the Saints. So there, there's three victories that they really should have had if they had a different kicker and they, if they didn't get a little help from the officials. Well, it was a big one last Sunday, their, their first division win in a long time against the Ravens. Mayfield to Higgins looked to be the lone touchdown, and the Browns on offense, they looked like they had a tough day on third down, but Cleveland's defense kept Baltimore out of the end zone and held the Ravens just four for 16 on third down, Mary Kay. Yeah, that includes zero for six in the first half. Wow. Uh, they were just absolutely tremendous on third down. And here it was, the Ravens came in uh, number two in the NFL on third down defense, and it was actually the Browns that kind of showed them the way on third down. Uh, it was right off the bat on, uh, on the first drive, Denzel Ward knocked a, uh, the ball away from Michael Crabtree to get them off the field on their first drive, and it just kind of went on from there. They had pass breakups uh, from EJ Gaines, all kinds of things on third down, and then Denzel Ward really came through with a very big game. Uh, he had an interception and a blocked field goal in the first half, so that prevented uh, that prevented the Ravens from from scoring at least, you know, possibly 10 more points there. So he was a major, major factor in the victory. Well, I want to get to Baker Mayfield in a second, but let's stop there at Denzel Ward because he's having a heck of a a start to the year. And I think you could argue Derwin James here in Los Angeles and Denzel Ward, probably the two best defensive rookies to this point. Uh, What has Cleveland seen from Denzel Ward? 
Wow, he's just been tremendous. Now, he was the number four overall pick, and a lot of people wanted the Browns to draft Bradley Chubb there in the uh, NC State pass rusher. Uh, people kind of scratched their heads a little bit about what John Dorsey was doing there at number four. Well, boy, has Denzel and John Dorsey proved everybody wrong here. Denzel has been amazing, starting with the very first game when he picked off Ben Roethlisberger twice. Then in this past game, he picks off Joe Flacco, had three pass breakups, the blocked field goal. He's just playing lights out. His, uh, his, he, has, uh, he held Flacco, I believe, to a, like a 19.9 passer rating in this past game when in passes thrown his way. He's just been really tremendous in coverage and otherwise. I mean, he missed a couple of tackles in this past game, uh, but the good things he did far outweigh that. And the Browns overall, they have a, a plus eight turnover differential, 15 takeaways. That's four more than the second ranked team, the Chicago Bears. Uh, and then you just, you know, it's it's just funny to me because I look two weeks ago against the Raiders, you give up 45 points, then you just give up nine to the Ravens, who have been scoring a lot of points on teams this year. Which week was more indicative of who this Cleveland defense is, Mary Kay? Well, they have been, they hadn't been giving up points like that. Uh, and, I mean, if you look at their Saints game, they held the Saints to like 21 points. And the Saints, every it seems like every time I look up, on the scoreboard these days, the Saints are scoring 40 points, and the Browns held them to 21. Yep. So I think that's more indicative of who the Cleveland Browns have been this year. They have good defense. They really do. Uh, there's a lot of talent on the defense, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that these guys are healthy this year. Some of the guys who were around last year, they just weren't healthy. Miles Garrett wasn't healthy all year. Emmanuel Ogle wasn't healthy. Jamie Collins wasn't healthy. So all these guys are back healthy this year. It's making a huge difference. And then John Dorsey did go out and add a lot of key pieces, like Terrence Mitchell. Now, he's out for eight weeks with a broken wrist. Uh, but Demarius Randall has been a great, great addition to the team. He came from the Packers in a trade for Deshaun Kaiser. He has been tremendous at free safety, moving over from cornerback where he played for the Packers. And then, of course, Denzel Ward uh, has been tremendous. So, uh, you know, so they've just been really, really good on defense. And you just said the name Miles Garrett. Through the first five games, five sacks, nine quarterback hits. And in his second season, it looks like he's turning into one of the game's elite pass rushers before our eyes, Mary Kay. How much better has he gotten from year one to, to present day? Well, he's gotten a lot better. Um, he, he studied a lot of Julius Pepper's film in the offseason, and he's definitely gotten a lot better. But I also do firmly believe that it has a lot to do with his health. He suffered a high ankle sprain last year, right before the season opener. He missed the first four games, kind of rushed himself back. He felt bad. The team had gone 0-4. He needed to get back out there, and he hurried back. So he played the rest of the year kind of hurt on that ankle. He spent most of the offseason rehabbing, getting himself together, also uh, playing, getting his conditioning together so that he could play more snaps, which he has done this year. So all of those things have added up to a really, really great Miles Garrett. Now, he's aiming for Defensive Player of the Year. It'll be tough. There's an amazing amount of great pass rushers out there, um, but he he's really committed to that. All right, let's get to this rookie quarterback, Baker Mayfield, because he looks to have changed the culture and the overall outlook in Cleveland. And I was one of the millions from a couple of weeks ago, that Thursday night game where you, you just felt the energy shift when he came in the game against the Jets. Uh, was that the moment when it kind of all changed Mary Kay? Or has, has this been something in the makings for, for a while now? Well, no, I think that's the moment where he proved to everyone that he, actually, he can actually go out and do this in a real football game. It, there, it just did. You're right. It seemed like a, a paradigm shift there or a sea change or something like that. Uh, 
uh, you could feel it in the stadium, that everyone in the stadium felt like, you know what, the Savior might have arrived. And uh, it was just a great feeling for everybody that has been all these long-suffering Browns fans. It just seemed like it was time to, to be happy and to have hope and to be joyful. And he picked that right back up when he came back into that stadium. Nobody gave them a chance. Every single one of us in the in the local media picked them uh, to lose to the Ravens. And, you know, the Ravens, not only do they are they number two overall in defense, but they're heck on rookie quarterbacks. I mean, just heck on rookie quarterbacks. And, um, you know, he defied all those odds. They were 15-5 and five against rookie quarterbacks over the, um, you know, since 2008. Now, of course, that record includes uh, 7-0, and against um, you know against some of the Browns quarterbacks so you know so maybe that should have been taken with a little tiny bit of a grain of salt because you know you were dealing with you know the Brandon Whedons and the um, you know just some sure. guys like that the Cody Kesslers and the Deshaun Kaisers so that probably had something to do with it but um, but they dominate rookie quarterbacks and 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 Baker Mayfield just came out and showed that he's different. Well, I tell you, a rookie quarterback couldn't have a better best friend than than a guy like Jarvis Landry. I look at the I look at the target breakdown uh, among these receivers and tight ends. Jarvis Landry, fifty seven targets, which is really no different than what we saw in Miami. But what is different? The yards per reception much higher, thirteen point one. Uh, how much does he mean to this offense, Mary Kay? Oh, he means a tremendous amount to this offense, especially after Josh Gordon was traded. Now, when Josh Gordon was traded. I mean, that's a lot of talent that walks out that door. And, uh, you know, they really haven't even really recovered from that yet. So that even put more of a focus on Jarvis Landry and what he means to this team and what they need from him. So, you know, the thing about Jarvis is that he can catch almost anything. Now, he's dropped a couple of passes here and there from Baker Mayfield because it comes in fast and furious. But for the most part, he can catch pretty much anything and he can get his body in uh, some pretty interesting positions to try to catch balls in traffic, and he's pretty amazing doing that. And then you've got Baker, who can put it on a dime. So I think those two together, as they go along, are, are going to be a tremendous combination. You know, it's odd not seeing Joe Thomas on that left side. He was a mainstay and really synonymous with that left tackle position for 11 seasons in Cleveland. Uh, you got the number one rushing attack the Browns do entering week six. You got an undrafted rookie at left tackle, Desmond Harrison. Uh, what have you seen from Harrison and, and the rest of this O-line, Mary Kay? Well, like you said, they are blocking now for the number one run game in the NFL. So they didn't just give lip service to the running game this year. Uh, they are committed to it, and Carlos Hyde has had a lot to do with that. Nick Chubb came in uh, in Oakland and ran three times for 105 yards, including two long touchdowns. So uh, so they are doing a good job of running. Now, as far as Desmond Harrison, he's a little bit of a work in progress. I mean, you know, he had missed three years, three solid years out of football, and then came back and played nine games for West, I mean, for yeah, for West Georgia, a Division II team last year. So, he is a huge leap to go from West Georgia to the NFL, left tackle, filling the shoes of Joe Thomas. But he's getting better each week. Uh, and again, they're overcoming some of the growing pains that he's having and doing what they have to do. But for the most part, uh, he has held down that position to the point where, you know, they're just going to keep working with it and working with it. It's not like they're panicking and thinking they have to go out and get someone else. What's the biggest challenge that you think the Chargers pose to this Browns team? You know, you got Phillip Rivers 
just two interceptions this year. He's got 13 touchdowns. He's spreading the ball around among receivers in that one-two punch of, of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. It's going to be a heck of a game. What do you think the biggest challenge is for the Cleveland Browns? Well, probably just that. You know, they have played some really good quarterbacks this year. They've played some future Hall of Famers in Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. They played a very, very good quarterback in Derek Carr. They played a Super Bowl MVP in Joe Flacco. And they are faring really well against these quarterbacks. I think the fact that the game is at home should help them. But when you couple the really good pass rush with, uh, that the Browns have with what they have going on in the back end right now, it seems like they can handle it. Now, maybe Phillip Rivers will prove them wrong. He's such a veteran quarterback, and like you said, he's spreading the ball around a lot, and he's having a lot of success. Um, but, you know, they're not flinching. They're not flinching. It doesn't matter how long you've been around. It doesn't matter what it says on your resume. Uh, they're doing a nice job with these quarterbacks. We talked a lot about the big names on the Browns. Who are a few players to watch for Chargers fans to watch who aren't the obvious names that, that may make a, a difference on Sunday? Well, there, there's a couple of different guys that you could look at. On the offensive side of the ball, you never really know. Nick Chubb only had three carries again in the last game. But in the previous game, as I mentioned, he had three carries for 105 yards, two of which were long touchdowns of 63 and 41. So he can be mixed in there a little bit at any time uh, to back up Carlos Hyde. I think Duke Johnson will get the ball even more uh, because now Rashard Higgins, one of their better receivers, is out for at least two to four weeks with a sprained MCL. So they're kind of uh, going to be patching it together a little bit with some uh, tape and smoke and mirrors, whatever else they can come up with at the receiver position. Uh, they've got an undrafted rookie by the name of Derek Willis who caught a big, a big 39-yard pass in overtime that helped set up the game-winning field goal. Again, he's an undrafted rookie. Uh, nobody really knows too, too much about him yet. And, uh, you know, he's somebody to keep an eye on in this game. Antonio Callaway, uh, he's their other rookie receiver. He's supposed to be starting right now, but he's been struggling a little bit. So they're backing off on him a little bit. And it remains to be seen um, if he'll be in the starting lineup. But when he gets it going, he's got tremendous speed. And if, if he's on top of his game, Baker Mayfield and Antonio Callaway can get it rolling to the point where you'll see him, you know, catch a 50-some yard pass and, uh, you know, run it in for, for a touchdown or catch it in the end zone. So mm. uh, you have to be wary of that. Barry Kay, last thing for me, what's going to decide this one? Based on everything you've seen from the, from the Browns, playing a lot of close games, Chargers come to town, what do you think is going to decide it? Well, you know, I think it's going to come down once again probably to the takeaways. If the Browns can continue to do what they have been doing, and that is taking the ball away at an alarming rate to the tune of 15 takeaways so far this season. If they can get – now, like you said, Phillip Rivers is not throwing interceptions, but if they can get their hands on a couple, uh, that will that will make a huge difference. And they are punching the ball out, too. They are punching it out. They are forcing fumbles. They're getting sack fumbles. Uh, so if they can continue to do that, and then if Baker Mayfield – cannot turn it over. And the thing about the running backs, the Browns running backs, they haven't turned it over. They've only lost one fumble hmm. this season. So um, so the Browns aren't really turning it over that way. Uh, so I think it will come down to who can protect the ball. Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. Mary Kay, you came to visit us last year in Southern California. We look forward to seeing you this weekend in Cleveland. Sounds good. I'll, I'll come back. All right, before we get to Matt Money-Smith, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. 
The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the Los Angeles Chargers. And when I'm not recording, these are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me black out noise. I'll use them on the team plane this weekend to Cleveland so I can concentrate on my prep for the game and, of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. All right, welcome back to Chargers Weekly. Here with Matt Money-Smith. And Money, we're on the road four straight with a buy sandwich in between. But you leave Carson on a high note, 26-10, pretty thorough win over the Raiders. Yeah, I think we're still kind of in that window, right, where once Joey made it official that he would not be returning until after the bye, you kind of looked at the way the schedule laid out, and you figured on paper, and yeah, the games are not played on paper. Just ask the uh, the Chargers that are in the trainer's rooms that are getting their stem in their ice uh, yeah. what it feels like. But you said, okay, if you can get out of this 5-2, and 4-3, and three, Bosa comes back, pretty friendly back end of the schedule. A lot of tough teams have to make their way all the way to the West Coast. You feel good. So I think as it sits right now, three and two, worst case scenario out of that is that you're three and five. Even at that point, you'd still feel a lot better knowing, arguably, if he's right, one of the best defensive players in the league is here to help you out. And then speaking of the pass rush, we saw a little bit of it against the Raiders. They're starting two rookie tackles. Yeah. Melvin Ingram, it was a complete mismatch. How athletic is Melvin Ingram, man? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they had to do, right? You, you've heard it for the first four weeks, which is Melvin's not going to be able to do it by himself. So those guys got to start winning one-on-ones. And that's when you saw Gus Bradley get creative. Uh, blitzes from Derwin James, pressures by or stunts by moving Melvin inside, You know, going over a guard instead of having to deal with an end and then getting shipped by a back or a tight end. So I think last week maybe gave Gus some confidence that he can continue to move forward with Melvin predominantly out on the edge. But then you also, I mean, you just said it kind of when you were asking the question, you you sort of tag how athletic is Melvin. Well, you saw it in that interception. You know, when Carr thinks he's creeping up and he's going to try to stuff the run, no, he Carr missed it. I mean, that was just a flat-out bad read by the it was, quarterback. It was a terrible read, yeah. but you don't see Melvin drop back no. like that typically. But when he does, he can make those plays, and that's what reminds you, oh, yeah, that's right, he was an outside linebacker in a 3-4 flying all over the place making tackles in space. Oh, and by the way, he'll tell you that he got in on that touchdown. He will, and to his <laughs> face, I won't disagree with him. Yeah. But he was about a quarter yard short where was, they spotted it. But it was, it was a good a, effort. It was a, a heck good, of an effort. And I think he may get another chance. He's going to lobby for another chance this year, no doubt. Oh, he's going to lobby. I don't know if they'll <laughs> give it to him. I'm guessing that, that Gus Bradley was not happy watching no. that thing go down and had to be barking at Ken and barking at Coach Wisenhunt and, and Coach Lynn about how, okay, there's your one chance. We're now done. No, no more of that as long as I'm here. It's probably true that he is done because the offense is, is doing just fine. Phillip Rivers, 13 touchdowns, two picks. And then inside the top 30 NFL yards from scrimmage, you got Melvin Gordon, you got Austin Eckler, you got Keenan Allen. This is a balanced attack, and number 17 is making it all go. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at, if you again, on paper, right, statistically speaking, I mean, he's at the top of nearly everything except for maybe just gross yardage. Um, and, and I think, and, and I bring that up, you know, not to try to play, oh, Mr. Fair and Balanced. No, I think it's important to recognize that what, Philip has done these last two last year and then going into this year, the last year plus, he's totally comfortable taking whatever's there. He does not care about feeding his big receivers that are flying down the sideline, trying to get the big play and force it, perhaps in a double coverage to turn the ball over. I know Keenan was upset after the game against San Francisco, but 
They got the win. His backs were dominating the middle of that field, and he's just comfortable with whatever it is you're going to ask him. He's such a cerebral quarterback and has seen so many different defenses that he can diagnose and dissect you in a millisecond. And yeah. I think that's what we've seen this last year plus with Coach Wiz and, and Phillip working together. And that's why the numbers are just so eye-popping in MVP caliber. Coach Lynn made a concerted effort, I think, to tell Phillip, hey, this is how we're going to play. And you know, Phillip for so many years has tried to do a lot on his own when you're down and you really have no choice. I mean, there were games, there were seasons rather where injuries made Phillip have to do maybe a little bit more than he needed to do. He doesn't have to do it with these receivers and this one-two punch at running back. And you look at the rushing uh, stats going into to week six money. I think the Browns have the number two rushing attack. The Chargers number 11, but this is where stats can trick you a little bit because those guys are doing so much in uh, the passing game, these extended handoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, the receivers are blocking. The backs are catching passes, like you said, those Andy Reid, as he liked to call them, extended runs. Yep. Um, and the touchdowns are there. I think and that's the key when you look at the backs. I mean, you can have your total yardage or your you know your rushing yards, your rushing yards per carry, and those are fine. I mean, the, the Chargers' rushing yards per carry are fine. Their rush yards may not be, as you said, as high up as you'd like. But I'll look at the touchdowns. I'll look at total yards from scrimmage and touchdowns, and they're at the top. And the efficiency. And efficiency the efficiency. Of a guy like, like Eckler, he's out there for a couple of plays, boom, 44-yard touchdown. And that's a key. You know, a lot of times that that spell back or that change of pace back, whatever you want to call them, it's hard. You know, it's hard to find a rhythm, you know, especially when you're someone like Eckler who's so stout and strong and can really punish you between the tackles. I'm sure he wants a bunch of carries, you know, to really exude his will. Um, exert his will, I should say, and, and take advantage of defenses. They're tired by the time he comes in. But instead, he's just so fast. He's so elusive in space that you end up with these explosive plays on such limited touches um, that I got to imagine it's hard for Coach Wiz not to want to put him out there more. And, you know, the numbers when he and Gordon are on the field together, they're some of the best in the NFL. I mean, that particular package, I believe it's producing going into, I don't remember what it was coming out of the Raider game. I've got to believe it's big because they had a big play with both of them on the field. But I want to say going in, it was producing like nine yards per play. I mean, something That's ridiculous like that. Unbelievable. Well, you go to Cleveland here, Browns 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. They should be better than 2-2-1 two, two, and one money. I talked to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com yesterday, and, I mean, these guys have played three overtime games. They're coming off an overtime game good. where they scored 12 points. They're a good team uh, on both sides of the football right now. What do you see from them with, with Baker Mayfield leading the charge? Oh, it'll be tough. I mean, it's, you know, when you got Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward in that combination, because we, we had it here, right? We had Casey Hayward with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, so you see what that can produce. If you have a top-tier corner with a top-tier pass rusher, you can make life awfully tough on an offense. You know, and, and yes, they did it uh, against Drew Brees. They did it against Ben Roethlisberger. So they've showed you that they can slow down legitimate Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. Uh, it's not going to be easy. No question about it. I think this is going to be a game where the Chargers are going to have to get not just something, but they're going to have to get a little extra something out of their defense. Um, and a defense that showed us flashes against the Raiders, um, that made big plays when they needed to against the 49ers, and I think that's going to have to be uh, an effort the entire game because they can get you between the tackles with Carlos Hyde. Chubb's shown a proclivity to produce those big plays. And, you know, Baker doesn't look like a rookie, you know, back there. He's dealing, and he's spreading the ball out, and he's throwing it on time. So I think this is going to be a, a game the defense is going to have to help win. I found this interesting because the Chargers entering week six, they faced four quarterbacks, Bunny, 
that enter the game with five or fewer NFL starts. Because we talk about Mahomes, his second career start. Josh Allen, it was his first career start. C.J. Beathard, and now Baker making his third career NFL start. It's wild to me. And then you look at the other side, the, the master here, Phillip Rivers, going on 200. Yeah, it's something they have to take advantage of, right? And yep. they weren't able to do it against Mahomes, but guess what? Nobody in the NFL has done it against Mahomes. So I think, you know, you just kind of chalk that up to had a full year to sit and and learn and have the best play caller, perhaps, that the league has seen in the last 20 years doing it for him. Uh, Todd Haley's a great play caller. Uh, no question about it. So uh, I think – and also I think the difference is – I mean, I don't know how far back I got to go. I could probably go back five years, I think. I don't have to say ten if you go back five years, you know, for whatever reason, the NFL refused to make the kids coming out of college comfortable. It was just like, okay, throw you to the fire. You're going to take your lumps. We're running pro yeah. style. We'll do it our way. And that's not the way it is any longer. Mm-hmm. Now there is more college play calling. I mean, the Chiefs, heck, they look like high school out there at times. So do the Rams with all those fly sweeps. I mean, it's like Friday night lights. I mean, and, and you're. It, so I think what's happened is you, you speed up the learning curve uh, dramatically because Baker feels like he's still doing what he was doing at Oklahoma. So you just kind of pick up where you left off and you just have to adjust for the speed and the windows. And if you're a talented thrower like Baker is, you can, you know, and you can find yourself comfortable in a hurry because you feel like it's the same thing you've been doing for the last three years. You know, I asked Bruce Arians this last week because I, I find it interesting. Everyone says, oh, it's name it's, dropper. It's so much easier. Yeah, I know. Oh, Mary Kay yeah. Cabot. Oh, I was asking him, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm slumming it with me now. The quarterback whisperer, though. This sure, is, this is Bruce right, Harris. This is Coach and Ban and Mr. Coach Popularity, and homecoming King Harry over here. Yeah, right. But he was saying that you know, everybody says it's easier to play quarterback now. Uh, it may be easier from a rules perspective, but at the same time, defenses are so much more complex now than they were 10, 20 years ago. So while it may be easier for some of these young quarterbacks to execute an offense, you're still having to you know diagnose a defense and, and try to out scheme a guy like Gus Bradley which is not an easy task sure I mean look and I'm not trying to disagree with Bruce but I do think it has tilted so much in the favor of the quarterback and just speaking specifically to this year and some people um that I've been talking to or not that I've been talking to that I've been uh, who you name dropping I've who been t- privileged <laughs> to be on the periphery of the conversation uh you hear him say that quarterbacks aren't afraid to stand in the pocket any longer yeah they're not afraid of getting absolutely destroyed like they used to and they know if they do there's going to be a 15-yard flag and it's probably not going to happen for the rest of the game so I think that you know what is what is part of being a quarterback confidence you know and and one of the things that you would hear young quarterbacks or Quarterbacks that were ready to hang it up, they start seeing ghosts and they start getting rid of that ball a little bit early because they're tired of getting hit. And you know, you know, oh, rookie, poor guy. I mean, think about David Carr, right? He yeah. got shell shocked. Right. From his, the his arrival to the NFL was met with 76 sacks, and the guy would never be the same again because he was always trying to pick up that pass rusher out of the corner of his eye. And he was never able to overcome it. You remember it Patrick happen. Ramsey? Remember yeah. Patrick Ramsey oh, yeah. when, when Steve Spurrier was the head coach? Just kept putting him back there. Drop yeah. back, drop back. Hit, 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 and out of the league right. for a few years. And that's the thing. That doesn't happen any longer. Uh, because if you do get hit, you don't get hit like you used to get hit. And, you know, it, I heard Troy Aikman speak to it. You know, he's like, I took the, the hits that I took, you would get thrown out of a game immediately. And these are just flat hits that he took that wouldn't even get flagged. Yeah. And you think about the number of concussions that, concussions that Troy had and having to retire probably a little bit early because it was just a different game. So I, I do think it has 
certainly tilted in favor of the offense and probably for the better. I mean, look, people like seeing touchdowns, right? Like More than points. they like seeing, you know, 12 no to 9 no Buffalo doubt. v. Baltimore showdowns or whatever. Uh, the Browns v. Baltimore showdowns. Jarvis Landry looks to be the that security blanket, too, for, for Baker and really yeah. Tyrod when Tyrod was in there. 57 targets so far. I think Njoku has 39, which is second. I think he's plus 18. Plus 18. Yeah, yeah that would be the simple math yeah. that I just did. That's um, pretty, it's yeah. pretty wild. But you know what? His yards per reception are up a little bit this year. Is he priority A, you think, in, in trying to slow? You know, I think Baker's so good at distributing that – Flip it around a little yeah, bit. I think you you know if you take him away, he'll find Callaway. He'll find you know the one good thing for the Chargers is you know it's probably a big a, a big product of it is Derwin, and unfortunately this means he's probably not going to be on the line of scrimmage a lot, but they take away tight ends, you know, and I think you're starting to see Baker really start feeling comfortable with Njoku. Mm-hmm. And considering they took away Jared Cook last week, they took away Travis Kelsey in week one, I mean, they're very good at eliminating that position. I think that helps you out a little bit. Um, you know, and I do think that that if you were, and I don't know if it's going to be Desmond because they line up Landry in the slot a lot, or if you would just have KC, which Gus normally doesn't do, shadow Landry, I do think you can maybe limit that a, a little bit. As good as, as Jarvis is, um, you know, when when he's not being forced to try to go downfield. That's not his forte. But, you know, when he's playing to his strength, I do think the Chargers match up with him pretty well if it's going to be kind of a Derwin eliminates that tight end position. Yeah. Um, and you kind of like, hey, look, okay, so so now you're telling me if I've got my Pro Bowl, my all-pro corner on their number one receiver, my all-world rookie safety on their tight end, I now have to worry about Antonio Callaway or That's Nick a, Chubb yeah. or Carlos Hyde out of the bat or Duke Johnson – feel pretty good about that matchup no doubt so what will decide this one what's going to get the chargers to four and two headed across the pond turnovers i, th- I think you got to force baker into turnovers i don't think there's any question because the browns are going to turn the ball they they forced 15 already exactly right so i think you've got to force turnovers and and cash them in and we said that about the, the 49ers right i think we had this exact conversation and you said it's probably going to come down to turnovers um and and I just get the sense that that's what happened. Well, and that's what happened against the 49ers, right? Late in the game, you're mm-hmm. up two. They're moving the ball. Derwin creates the interception. Isaac Rochelle gets it, and you they, take a knee victory formation game. So I think that's it'll be a tight game. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Um, I mean, because every game's been tight for the Browns. So uh, you hope that they're fatigued. You know, I think the Raiders were a little fatigued, haven't played an extra quarter of football. You mentioned in. that last week, and coming I, off the field, yeah. uh, how how the Raiders played that overtime game against the Browns. Browns have already played three. That's what I mean. So they played an extra half of football. So the last two weeks, you know, they went almost max time last week against Baltimore. They went max time against the Raiders the week before. So you're talking about an extra half of full on NFL football being played by that team compared to yours uh, going into that one. So hopefully a little flat-footed, a little gassed by the time you get into the third quarter in a tight game and they can do what they did to the Raiders and just blow the doors off it. i tell you what, special teams too, uh, uh, both sides you want to account for because you, you look at Cleveland, Cleveland's had some kicker issues as well. And, you know, I think Donnie Jones did a good job flipping the field. And, no you know, question. You know, he, he, I mean, look he, at those he, net numbers. You and, know? and hopefully that, that rapport with, with he and Sturgis can just continue. Yeah, you'd hope. Uh, you hate to see another missed extra point. I mean, the field goal, I'll, I'll, you know, don't like giving them a, a pass on it, but whatever. It uh, it happens. And, you know, I think what Coach said coming out of that was, you know, he's he he liked the demeanor and the confidence of Caleb with the addition of Donnie and maybe said, we'll, we'll let it go as a week, um, you know, just kind of getting settled. But no question, I think the biggest of all the special teams decisions um, is keeping Desmond King back there to return punts. Got to. It's just Got to. that has changed 
everything. When you think about the the issues they had last year, the safety that Travis took, uh, the fumble from J.J. at the start of this season to the Chiefs on the three-yard line, just having a solid set of hands, uh, a real sharp player that isn't going to try to break every single one and pirouette and cut back 10 yards to get the corner. You don't need that nonsense. No. You need if, if he can exactly. go if he can go 15 yards, 10, 15 How? yards, seven, seven yards, seven yards, five yards straight forward. It's Philip Rivers. And when he it's, did that his entire career at yeah. Iowa, hey, so, he's not the fastest guy, yeah. but he just makes plays. Yeah. So I, I think that's just been a huge adjustment back there. That's the phase you got to travel with the special teams. Yeah. Money, we're uh, we're excited for Cleveland, and uh, we'll we see are on the call, bud. Like you mean the city? We're excited for. We're, well, what do you? Because I'm not. You're not, not excited. No, well, actually, I don't, you're I don't. you're actually leaving, coming back to LA. I'll and then, be coming back to LA, and then I'll be going back. I will not be in Cleveland for uh, what nine days or however many are days. The Six in days, the, I think. Ashley Brewer's they're over out. here. Ashley, the Indians in the playoffs? No, they're, they're not. They're they're they got eliminated. Astros knocked them out. Okay. Yeah, Ashley Brewer here. They did get swept. Okay, so yeah. I so I don't even have a Cavs game or an Indians game to go. You to. You might get a week. Cavs game. I think NBA season starts Wednesday, so you I th- may. I think they're on the road, though. I checked. Well, well there you go. Then I so. guess you're. Then what are you asking me the question for? You're the guy with all the answers. No, I didn't know the Making Indians. Making me look the stupid. Indian. I didn't know the Indians. I didn't know about the Indians. I'll just go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame schedule now. Huh? Is that what you want? <laughs> Maybe drive the Columbus. Trip to Columbus. Thanks, money. <laughs> My next guest. I'm very envious of, and I think everybody in Los Angeles, if you're a sports fan, yeah. very envious of. Ashley Brewer, ABC7, joins me. And Ashley, we were just talking. It's October 10th, so we got the Dodgers in the NLCS. Yep. We got the Lakers starting up. Yeah. We got the Clippers starting up. We have the Kings just started <gasps> yes. up. We got USC football, UCLA football. Of course, the, the Chargers. Yep. Um, going yeah. to London here soon. It's a dream for L.A. sports fans right now. I know. And I always say, like, I am the luckiest girl in the world because I would pay to be going to these games and to be, like, around these athletes, like, as a fan. Sure. But I'm getting paid to do it. It's such a bizarre thing. Like, this is my job. It's all happening right now, and I get a front row seat. I don't know how this happened. Like, we are so lucky to be here and be doing this kind of stuff. No doubt. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, I kind of had, like, a weird pinch-me moment when I was interviewing LeBron James the other day, and I'm like, how is this possible? Like, Just the fact that LeBron's in purple and gold right now. Yeah, the fact that he's in L.A., and then the next day I get to co-cover at that. It was like the NLDS, and I I get to do these things every single day. Every day is different. I have the best job in the world, not to brag, but (laughs) I am so thankful and so lucky. It's awesome. All right, so what are you most looking forward to over the next couple of weeks? My guess is Dodger Blue, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I get to go to London, and I'm so excited to get to cover the Chargers in London because that's going to be such a blast. But I got to say, Monday night I'll be covering Game 3 of the NLCS against the Brewers. I think it's going to be a heck of a series. Um, I think the Dodgers are have that magic in a different way than they did last year. Last year, man, they were on a roll. They were just steamrolling through the playoffs. I think this year we've seen it. It's not going to be easy, but they're a really gritty team, and I think they really step it up on offense when they need to, and they've shown that, uh, and I am so excited to see what they can do against the Brewers. It's, it's going to be fun. You know, it's so hard for me to keep up with baseball once football season starts totally. because you're just, you're just so locked in here yeah. at Costa Mesa. But I feel like the Dodgers have that feeling. Like last year, everyone expected them to win the World Series, totally. right? This yeah. is the year, and I – liken it to being a Capitals fan where like every year you're expecting them to to win the cup and they break your heart mm-hmm. the year that you don't really expect it, it might playoff it, everything yeah. kind of comes together a little bit I feel like this, this Dodgers team is kind of on the on the precipice of something big you never know and like what I always say about postseason in all sports but specifically in baseball 
anything goes. Yeah. Anything can happen. It's a crapshoot. So when the Dodgers got in it, we were like, okay, let's hit the reset button. Let's see what they can do. You never know with Clayton Kershaw, as we've seen in previous years. He could be off his game and unreliable in the playoffs, or he can go out and pitch like he pitched in game two against the Braves and be lights out and throw a shutout. Um, And some guys uh, can just turn it on. You just don't know what could happen. I think what I love is so much it's about the adrenaline for these players. They get their moment to shine and the lights are so bright in the playoffs that they really step it up. You see who crumbles. You just never know what it's going to be. And so we might see that with the Dodgers against the Brewers, but we might see the Brewers do something lights out too. So we just don't know, but I can't wait for it. You don't, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. And what I also love is just how the athletes in LA support each other. You know, so you got, you got Rams and Chargers rooting for the Dodgers and vice versa. It's, it's so much fun. So cool. Let's get into this Chargers team because I know you talked to Coach Lynn this week. Yep. Uh, What did Coach have to say to you? Well, I really was interested in talking to him about Cleveland and the difference in the Cleveland team we see right now this season um, in the Cleveland team we've seen the past couple of years. Because let's be honest, Cleveland has been kind of the butt of the NFL, like the joke. They have just been like... You know, if you lose to Cleveland, like you're the you joke. didn't want to be you that know, team. You don't want to be that team. They've just been the laughing stock of the NFL for previous years, and it's like been tough to watch them as a, just a sports fan in general. But um, this year, you see a swag about them. And Coach mentioned this to me when we were just talking. He was like, I don't know if it started with Baker Mayfield when that he started. He brought this kind of swag to the team, and now everyone's kind of like got a little like step to him, and I feel they're like, having I feel fun. Like he was the, I feel like he was that final piece. Yeah, that maybe really got they needed a Baker, and credit to him for doing that. But he's a playmaker. But they also have some big pieces on defense, and I'm really excited to see what this team brings. So he knows that this is not the team you want to overlook. They've got two wins, but they're much better than that record. They've been really tighten each and every game they've played um but i'm excited to see uh like a veteran quarterback like philip a rookie quarterback like baker who's kind of wild and crazy yeah. and they're both fiery. a little bit fiery but philip a little bit more conservative experience it's going to be a really good game and then of course i'm going to cleveland i mean i don't i've never been to that stadium but i'm sure that's going to be just wild so well, their fans it's going to be are... a fun matchup that's what he was saying yeah, is it crazy their fans are I, I went to a game there about 12 years ago and it doesn't matter if they're 0 and 16 or 16 and 0, which they it. haven't been. Yeah, which they but, haven't. but the fans are always into it. They're they're yeah. very dedicated to their squad. Sheesh. And I remember last year actually when the Chargers were on a roll towards the end of the year. Yep. That game when the, the Browns came in, I don't know if it was 0 and 13 or something. Yeah. That game was 19 concerning. To 10, right? Yeah, it was 19 yeah. to 10, and that that was a concerning game for these mm-hmm. guys because they were playing much better. Then, and it's hard to say that, like totally. 0-12, 0-13 team. Mm-hmm. But when you see the pieces they have, like guys like Miles Garrett, yep. uh, a defensive coordinator like Greg Williams, who's yeah. been to a Super Bowl, totally. and all these pieces that Boy they have on both the sides Rams. of the football. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah, Greg was here with mm-hmm. the Rams. He was with the Redskins when I worked there in like 0-4 cool. under uh, the Joe Gibbs uh, 2.0. Great coach. He's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the pieces on both sides of the football, and, and the coaches, Todd Haley, comes over. So you mentioned the the fact that they are 2-2-1. Two, two they, they probably should be – 
four one and one or yeah. I mean, they, they they're in every game yeah every game and that's what coach was saying he was like this is a team that easily could be four and one like this is not a, a team that oh they've won two games it's just another one we'll roll past like he was like now I'm like concerned about it but mm-hmm. uh, also he was very confident with what his team has shown in the past few weeks I think like it's been cool getting to know coach and getting to see how he's relaxed a little bit over his first year as an NFL head coach and now how confident he is in this second year he's a heck of a leader he's a great leader he leads by example in so many different ways but now like getting to just talk with him and how he talks about his players like we just heard in the press conference he was talking about Derwin James and how like he's like I love him I love it and I loved how he opens up now and can talk about his players and he's looser and he's really 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 proud of this group and I think that shows on the field too and I think these guys are making smarter decisions I think they're making less mistakes the more this team plays and I'm really excited to see what they do against a really good opponent it is and speaking of that good opponent they've taken the ball away 15 times and you mentioned how Philip Rivers is taking care of the football 13 touchdowns just two interceptions this team there was a shift last year and we talk about Coach mm-hmm. Lynn and, and really changing the culture of the team. Yeah. I think all these guys are believing. But also, they have made a concerted effort to just take care of the football. They, they've taken care of the football. And when they do that, they win football games. Yeah, and that's what Coach was saying. He was like, I'm not concerned about how good this defense is because as long as we are still doing what we need to do on offense, like they've done all season long, not getting those turnovers and taking care of the football and not getting sacked, as long as we do those things – what it's not going to matter we'll be fine but if we let them break our game plan then they run into trouble so it's so much about that but I I liked listening to Wisenhunt and what he was saying about uh credit to the O-line coach was uh Lynn was talking about that too great just great chemistry on that line the guys have been really great um and so I'm excited to see you know how how they do that and if that really how much I think the defense will test them this week I'm, I'm excited to see how it'll go all right so let's let's lay out your schedule for October Woo! because it's wild right I mean, <laughs> yeah so first of all you, you you guys have the show on Saturday night yes with, with Sean Merriman and it's Rob a it's a blast Saturday right? night sports and uh yeah I love being a part of that show just to get to talk about a little bit of everything we talk college football we talk NFL it's really a football focused show but um I love hanging out of course with Rob Fukuzaki because he's just the best if you know him at all Um, but Sean Merriman is awesome he's the best I love how um, he can talk about his career bring up stories things that happen to him things that continue to happen with him now in his retirement he is just an open book he's funny as heck and he's just a cool dude and so I love having him in studio so that's a blast so I do that on Saturday Sunday I'm usually at a game depending on which team's in town um, and then I host my Sunday night sports show on Sunday nights. What's so that's brewing? really busy. Hashtag what's brewing. Hit me up. <laughs> um, and then during the week, every day is different. I never know what I'm going to cover, but I'm always down for whatever. Yeah. It's a blast. Are you going too. to Lakers opening night? Uh, no, because I'm going to be in London. Oh, that's right. right? Well, what, so the home, with the home opener is the is it is it Tuesday? I th- I guess the Rockets. I forget. I'm probably gonna have to beg to let them like let me work extra because I mean I'm working so much right now where they're like, Ashley, you need a day off. Like it's the rules. Like you right, have to take a, take a day off. And I'm like, but I don't want to. I want to cover the Dodgers and I want to go to London and I want to do this <laughs> and this. Um, I right now am like great with sacrificing sleep. I don't care. I don't need it right you don't now. Need like it. I'm it's fine. All adrenaline I'm right fine. Now. And like in my my personal life I don't have anything going on at all all I do is work and that's 
for me, that's what I want. So yeah. I'm loving it. I'm having a blast. And to me, like, this is why I'm a sportscaster. This is what it's all about. So Have you been to London great. before? I went this summer, actually. Um, oh, so, so you've been recently. I had no idea that I was going to get to go this football season. Um, I went over summer. I was there. Me and my best friend took a trip to Europe. We'd both never been. Wow. And we were like, let's just go to Europe. Why not? So we went to London for five days, and then we went to the south of France for five days. Oh, um, which that's was rough life. Well, I know. I was like, this is my one big vacation for the year. I was like, I don't know if I'm really ever going to get much time to do this. Well, it turns out a few months later, I get another chance. <laughs> um, it was such a blast. We were walking around town in London every day, all day, just doing all the uh, historical stuff, going to museums, going to cool spots, um, eating a ton, having a blast. It was so oh much God. fun. So and then South the of France was just like oh, chilling. Yeah, it was we, awesome. First of all, can we get an NFL game in the South of France? Yeah, I like, would really go, appreciate that. The like, is there a stadium in Nice, France? Yeah. I don't know, but I'll be there. So I went to the Amalfi Coast in. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. I was like, can we get an NFL franchise yes, there in like Pasadena? Let's go oh there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and eat all the pasta and pizza and heck yeah. So London though, what what are we doing? What are the what are the sites? What's going on there? So we toured a castle, and I'm so bad. I need to remember the names. I'm, like, so bad with this. My best friend was more the tour guide, and I'm like, tell me where to go, and we'll go. But we went to, like, Kensington's Palace, which was really cool. We went to different parks, um, different areas of town that were really popular. We did the shopping. But, like, I'm all about the food. So yeah. we will go to great restaurants. I already have, like, a list. I'm already good. I've already talked to Jason, the head of production, about, like, hey, we got to try the sushi right, spot. Well, I need, a, I need a list. Um, we will hit all of them up. It's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to seeing Wembley Stadium because I have no idea what that's going to well, be like. One of the things I interviewed Neil Reynolds, uh, and he's he works at Sky Sports last year, right when the the schedule came out, and he was talking about just the fans there. They embrace yes. all the teams. Like you're going to see jerseys from like all 32 NFL teams yeah. in the stands. They stay till the end. They're really into it. Oh and yeah, it's just going to be. Uh, a little bit of a different vibe than what you get in the States. Totally. And I, I just think it's going to be so much fun to watch. Whenever I would meet people and like I would be out places, restaurants, bars, whatever, and people would ask what I what I do back in America, I'd be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a sports cast. And they were like, what is that? And I was like, I'm a, a sports host. And they were like, oh, like a presenter. A, presenter. a presenter. A presenter. So do you present on football? And they thought it, and they were talking about soccer. And I'm like, to be honest, no, I like never cover, I've never covered soccer. Thank goodness. Cause I'm not very, I'm not great at soccer um but then i i was talking with my buddy scott hansen about it who's on the nfl network and does red zone yeah. and he said that he has like so many fans from london and There's from the uk so many fans over there that are obsessed with red zone and so he's like they they know their football like they're very very into nfl and so he's like yeah you go to those games they know exactly who the players are they have fan clubs on specific teams and players so i'm excited to see and meet people and get to know uh, kind of them and, and how they feel about NFL. It's well, there's, cool. There's some Chargers fans over there too, Ashley. Some no have way. reached out about, you know, hey, when you guys get in town, let us oh. know what's going on. So uh, I'm looking forward to meeting some, meet of, some of the fans. That's so, so cool. Ashley, this was fun. We got to do it more Thank often. You. And uh, go I Dodgers. And yes. uh, we'll see you in London. Thank you so much for having me. Love chatting. All Thanks. All right, we'll get to Marcus Grant in a second, but I want to tell you that the Los Angeles Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones too to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. 
Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the LA Chargers. Also want to tell you about a rare chance for you and a guest to join the Chargers on the field before kickoff. You get two tickets to a game and a special VIP meet and greet with NFL analysts, our guys, Matt Money-Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Enter for the chance to win the backstage Chargers prize pack by going to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. No purchase necessary. It's open to Southern California area residents 18 and over. This ends January 10th, 2019. Again, go to chargers.com slash win for all the rules and details. All right, now joined on the line by NFL Network's Marcus Grant. And Marcus is going to do his best to get your fantasy squad ready for week six. Marcus, how are you, my friend? Fantastic, Chris. Good to talk to you again. You too, man. How's the uh, how's the fantasy season treating you thus far as we, we enter week six? You know what? I, I have to say, selfishly, it's been great. Like, most of my <laughs> teams are doing really well. Uh, I'm in playoff contention through the first, what, five, six weeks of the season. So, uh, you know, things have been better than not. So, I, like I said, selfishly, I, I am loving life right now. Well, that's good. I mean, that's a good sign for our listeners who submitted questions. And, you know, we're about like 30, 35% through the fantasy season. Before we get into these questions, what have been the biggest takeaways, trends, et cetera, that, that have caught your eye? Well, obviously, you know, this year is, you know, no surprise, it has been all about the passing games. And, and we came into the season thinking that this was maybe the deepest quarterback year we had seen in a long time. And so far, uh, that's proven to be true. I mean, obviously, some of the, the big names have performed well. You know, the guys that we thought would play well, Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, and then you got guys like Patrick Mahomes who have just, you know, we thought he could be okay. Nobody imagined he would be doing what he has done through the first five weeks of the season. So I would say that you know, if you have been relying on wide receivers, quarterbacks, and pass-catching running backs, then things have gone pretty well for you this year. No doubt. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes leading the league in touchdowns. Phillip Rivers right behind him with 13. But listen, Marcus, we got a ton of questions. Let's get right to them. Danny on Twitter, he wants to know if he should start Mike Williams at the flex this week against the Cleveland Browns. He's at a full point PPR league. So it's tough because you don't know who, who he's got on his roster. But, but Mike Williams, a, a potential candidate to have a, a big game on Sunday. Yeah, he absolutely is. And, you know, he's, he was a guy that we liked this year coming in as a sleeper, and he has certainly lived up to those expectations. Um, you know, as he has grown and gotten more comfortable in that offense, it's, it's obvious that Phillip Rivers uh, has some trust in him. The only concern I have is that this Browns defense, it, it's not your big brother's Browns defense. You know, like this group has gotten better. Miles Garrett has been a one-man wrecking crew. Denzel Ward has shown that he is a playmaker in that secondary. So that would be my only concern. But the way the Chargers offense has operated, there are so many things for the Cleveland Browns to occupy themselves with that it does open some potential for Mike Williams to get some targets. Yep, and you know Mike Williams, six four two twenty. He's going to be a mismatch on a lot of corners. But to your point, Denzel Ward, Demarius Randall, Peppers, and company—they're doing some work there in Cleveland. Uh, Luis wants to know if the Chargers' defense is a good matchup against the Cleveland Browns' offense. And you know, based on last week, they only put up twelve points. You go the week before, putting up forty-two against the Raiders, I believe. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the ups and downs of the Browns can help the Chargers here because you know, Baker Mayfield has been a lot of fun to watch. He's exciting. He's definitely the future at the quarterback position for the Browns. But for you know, for the Chargers, you look at it and you think, this is a guy who sometimes gets greedy and sometimes he wants to go for that home run. And you've got guys in that secondary who are ball hawking and who can get after it a little bit. So, you know, for a fantasy defense to succeed, 
generally you need sacks and you need turnovers. So if they can get after Mayfield uh, from the front seven, if those guys can force him into some bad decisions and make some plays, uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on. So I would give the Chargers defense a spin this week. Yeah, Melvin Ingram had a sack last week, and Baker Mayfield was sacked by the Ravens, I believe, five times. And to your point about giving up the ball, he's given up the ball three times, one for a pick six against the Raiders. So you never know. It'll be nice once Joey Bosa gets back, but I think Melvin Ingram can certainly uh, pick up the load here this week. All right, pick two. This is from Jay. Austin Eckler, Philip Lindsay, or Hines at the Jets. Um, some intriguing matchups here, Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I have been a big fan of Austin Eckler all season long. You know, we, we thought he was kind of a sleeper coming into this year. Uh, he's certainly exceeded my expectations, and obviously it's, it's obvious that Phillip Rivers trusts him, and they have him doing a big thing in that offense there. So I, I definitely would roll with him this week. Uh, Philip Lindsay, kind of the same thing. I mean, nobody talked about him. Everybody talked about Royce Freeman in that Denver backfield, and, and so he, Lindsay has come out and surprised a lot of people and really you know, asserted himself. So he's another guy that I would trust. Hines has played well. I think the, the reason I would sit him this week, though, is because there's so much confusion in that backfield. Marlon Mack is expected back. Robert Turbin is healthy again. Jordan Wilkins is still there. So there's just, it's just cloudy as to how the, the Colts are going to split up the division of labor there. So of those three guys, Hines is the one I would keep on my bench. You know, Eckler's been fantastic in limited touches. Do you at all get concerned with, with players like that that are really efficient but don't have a, a ton of touches? You just have to really roll the dice and hope that, you know, with the, the 7 to 10 touches that they get, they're going to do something with it? You do. Uh, you know, there's always a concern about that. But so far, you know, he, he hasn't let us down. And so I think as long as you, you just kind of keep getting that production, and, and honestly, it's one of those things where – I look at Austin Eckler and I think the eye test for me sort of wins out over what the numbers say because mm -hmm. of how they're using him, that they're getting him out in space. They're getting him the ball downfield. I mean, he's catching passes. We've seen him kind of run downfield as an as a actual receiver instead of just an outlet pass. So this is one where the numbers, I, I understand, could make you a little bit nervous, but just the eye test and watching him play and watching his usage gives you a little more confidence week after week. All right, David's got a trade question for you. Should he trade Sony Michelle for Cooper Cup? It's a half point PPR. Says he's got the running back depth. He's weak at wide receiver. Sony Michelle coming on lately, though. He is absolutely. But I, I would like that. I like that trade simply because of, of how he framed it. Because I know people when they make trades, they want to see if they win the trade, if they get the better end of the deal. And my from my perspective. You want to trade to fill a spot of need. And, and sometimes you got to give up something to get something back. So knowing that he's deep at running back, uh, that he can afford to spare a guy like Sony Michelle and get something back like Cooper Cup, who's been super productive this year, I think that's how you want to approach a trade. So in that respect, I have no problems with that deal at all. Let's get to Greg. Two very clear-cut decisions he's got to make. Uh, Rivers in Cleveland or Brady in Kansas, or versus Kansas City, rather. And then at tight end, Jordan Reed versus Carolina or George Kittle Monday night in Green Bay. Well, I, I would definitely go with, with uh, Tom Brady here. I, I said you know, Rivers has been playing well, absolutely, but it's just that Kansas City defense has been awful this year. And so in that respect, I think Tom Brady has the, the upper hand just because I think it's, it's a game that will be a high-scoring one back and forth. So that's where I would go. Uh, tight end has been such a headache for so many people this year. <laughs> really but is. I like George Kittle. I, yeah, it, it's been awful. But you know, I like George Kittle. He's been he's super athletic. Uh, we've seen him play well. And you know his production hasn't really dropped off 
when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. I think a lot of us worried that everything was going to fall apart when Garoppolo went out. Uh, but Kittle has been kind of a safety blanket for C.J. Beathard, and his athleticism helps him to be productive after the catch. Um, you know, I, I think they, the Niners will be playing from behind, most likely against the Packers on Monday night, which means they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more. You know, and if you're into the whole weird narrative thing, C.J. Beathard and George Kittle were roommates uh, at the University of Iowa, so maybe they've got some sort of a friendship going. There you go. They got they got that rapport going. We saw it here in Los <laughs> Angeles a couple of weeks ago on that 80-plus yard uh, touchdown pass from Beathard mm-hmm. to Kittle. So yep. Kittle coming on strong. I think Reed burned a lot of people on Monday night as well. So let's yeah. get to my guy, Mike Trudell, the Lakers reporter. He's got a lot of questions, Marcus. First of oh. all, PPR flex. Okay, he's got Watkins, Sammy Watkins. He's got Davis home to Baltimore or Philip Lindsay versus the Rams. Let's tackle that one first. You know what? I'm going to go with, with Sammy Watkins. And, and this, I would say, Chris, this is a moment of growth for me because back in August, I was – on the never Sammy Watkins train. He disappointed me so many years that I had just kind of bailed out. But I have to admit, the last few weeks kind of watching him, it looks like he's found an offense that fits his skills, that Andy Reid knows what to do with him. On top of it, they're not asking him to carry the offense like they were expecting him to do in Buffalo and even with the Rams for that year. He doesn't have that pressure on him, so he can go out and produce. He's not drawing a ton of attention. And, again, I think that, that Patriots-Chiefs uh, game is going to be a high-scoring one. So, uh, you know, I've, I've evolved. I've had some personal growth by, by you know, saying that Sammy Watkins is actually, is actually a good start this week. Mike, there you go, bro. Sammy Watkins, put him in your lineup. He's got another one, non-PPR, Edelman or Jordy Nelson? Uh, I'm going to go with Edelman here. Uh, again, just that, that, that same defense uh, against the Chiefs is, is going to be a bad one. And we, we saw last week when Edelman came back, Tom Brady looked for him early and often in this one. And, and you know, I think that's going to make this Patriots offense a whole lot better. You know, I tried to get on board with Jordy Nelson a couple of weeks ago, but that Raiders offense has been so unpredictable. And even though the Legion of Boom is gone in Seattle, they've still really given quarterbacks a tough time this year. So that inconsistency keeps me away from Jordy Nelson. So I would go with Edelman. By the way, I should mention, Marcus has an awesome column, Fix My Flex. So if we don't get to your questions, just go to NFL.com, go to Fix My Flex. Uh, Marcus has got a ton of great stuff on NFL.com. All right, last one from Trudell. Trudell gave me three, a hat trick here. Deshaun Jackson in Atlanta or Tyler Boyd home to Pittsburgh. His caveat, it's a non-PPR, and you get some bonus points for 100 yards receiving. Ah, you know what? I, I think I would go with Tyler Boyd then in that one. Uh, you know, and I know it's, it's always hard in those Cincinnati-Pittsburgh matchups because they, they tend to be some kind of brutal physical affairs, but the Steelers have struggled in the secondary this year. And Andy Dalton hasn't been all that bad. Tyler Boyd has reasserted himself where a lot of people thought maybe this would be the John Ross year, but uh, Tyler Boyd has successfully held him off uh, in, in, on the depth chart. And I think that this is, this is going to be one where Andy Dalton shows out a little bit against the Steelers. So I, I like Tyler Boyd. I think he hits a couple of big plays, and I think he gets you close to that bonus. All right, a couple more here. This is Danielle on Twitter. Pick three among Julian Edelman, James Conner, TJ Yeldon in Dallas, David Johnson in Minnesota, Robert Woods in Denver. That's a lot, Marcus. I can, I can repeat if necessary. Uh, see, so I got a, I'm picking three out of there, right? Yeah. So Julian Edelman for sure. Um, so who's the second name? It was James Conner, TJ Yeldon, David Johnson, and Robert Woods. So I would go with uh, Edelman. I would go with James Conner, who uh, showed last week that, that he is uh, still a, a thing there. And you know what? I would go with David Johnson. And, and I know that you know, on paper that Minnesota defense looks scary, but 
they have not lived up to that expectation this year. On top of it, I really think that Josh Rosen taking over as the starting quarterback in Arizona is going to be good for David Johnson. His What made him so great a couple years ago was being a downfield threat in the passing game. And Josh Rosen, you know, obviously for people in L.A. who saw him play at UCLA, they know that he doesn't have any fear about throwing the ball downfield. I think he's going to start to work David Johnson into that offense a whole lot more. And I think that the Cardinals have realized that they can't be successful unless David Johnson's getting the ball. So, uh, you know, I think the workload's going to increase for him. And against a defense that has underperformed this year, I would give David Johnson the start. Marcus, how frustrating is it for David Johnson owners that we're in week six and we have him in a question about should I start him or not? It's super frustrating. It is. And I was, you know, two seasons ago, I, I, you know, two seasons ago, I was the guy who, you know, my mantra was David Johnson, no matter what. And obviously that worked out last year. Unfortunately, he gets hurt early, misses the entire season. Uh, but we expected big things. And, and the fact that they have used him, you know, not like the offensive weapon that he can be. They sort of used him as a run of the mill running back. And they just kind of plowed him into the center of the offensive line with very little success. They've used him as a dump off running back. It just, I want someone to sit Mike McCoy down sort of clockwork orange style and peel his eyes open and make him watch those tapes from 2016 to see what it is David Johnson can do in this offense. There you go. All right. Last one. It's a two-parter. Uh, I think you wrote about Doug Baldwin uh, recently, Marcus. So this is from Adam. Would you trade James Conner for Doug Baldwin? Uh, not straight up right now. I, I, and I love Doug Baldwin, but I want to see something from him. Um, you know, the fact that he said in the preseason that he's not expecting to be 100% at all this year. He deals with his knee injury. Uh, you know, when he finally came back, he didn't give much. And then that last week, his second game, uh, he, he showed even less. So uh, I'm really worried about Doug Baldwin. The, the Seahawks offense hasn't found anything. Russell Wilson is continually running for his life and not putting up big yardage numbers. Uh, so, so right now, I would much rather have James Conner. You know, it maybe a couple weeks from now when Doug Baldwin, if he gets healthy and, and puts up numbers, he'll prove me wrong. But uh, at this moment, I, I'm staying away from him. Yeah, maybe reevaluate that one, Adam, for now. And, and the final one, another Doug Baldwin trade question, small wood for Baldwin. It's a non-PPR 12-team league. Um, you know, that one, I, I might consider doing that one. And, you know, Windows Smallwood, I think, is a decent, decent option, at least for now in the short term. Uh, the Eagles tend to rotate their running back. So Smallwood's going to, he's going to compete with, uh, with, with uh, Corey Clement back there for the time being. Uh, the other part that concerns me there is those rumors kind of hanging out there about a LaShawn McCoy trade possibly showing up. If, yeah. if he comes to, to Philadelphia, suddenly that kind of blows up that whole situation. So, you know, while I am worried about Doug Baldwin, I think his spot in the order, in the, uh, in the offense, and, and in the pecking order is still secure, whereas Wendell Smallwood, it's a little more dicey right now. Marcus, this was awesome. You absolutely crushed these questions. Promote what you got going on. I know you got the great Fantasy Live podcast. You're doing some television, doing some writing. Let us know what you're doing. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, the Fantasy Live podcast uh, comes out twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. You can find that. And then uh, I'm on Fantasy Live uh, during the week, uh, five days a week. We are on NFL Network at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so find us there, and then you can find all my work. Uh, at NFL.com. By the way, how funny was the Marlon Brando, Matt Money Smith <laughs> piece last oh. week? I told him oh. it was the best thing I've ever seen on NFL Network. <laughs> it was absolutely the best. I was so sad because I was off that day. So you, I, I didn't see you on the set. Yeah, it. I didn't see you on the set. I, 
I was off that day, and I, but I watched it back that evening, and just, I mean, money with the cotton balls in his mouth to do the Marlon Brando was perfection. <laughs> it was amazing. And I told him, it was like, Rank was laughing. It was like an SNL skit where Rank just, he couldn't keep a straight face doing the, uh, doing the skit. Oh, it was so great. It was so great. So awesome. Marcus, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you joining us. Hey, man. Appreciate the time, Chris. And that's going to do it. A big thanks to Marcus Grant, Ashley Brewer, Matt Money-Smith, and Mary Kay Cabot for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. You can find Chargers Weekly in our new Backstage Chargers podcast on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. Enjoy Sunday's game, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayrick.